All right. What does this say here? Let us begin with a prayer. So grateful and so thankful for the love of God, the power and the presence of love in our lives, in our hearts, in our minds, in our very being. So grateful and so thankful that right where we are, there is the fullness of divine perfection being revealed because it's already there. And everything that covers it up, we are surrendering to the higher Holy Spirit self for removal. We are grateful and thankful to give every misconception, every misperception to the Holy Spirit for healing. We are grateful and thankful to claim our holiness. We're claiming our wholeness. We are claiming our perfection and we are grateful and thankful to align together in solidarity for love for peace, for joy, for prosperity and abundance, for healing, for harmony. In gratitude, we dedicate our conversation to expansion, ascension, awakening, awareness. We are grateful that the Holy Spirit makes it so. We are grateful to share the benefits with everyone because we are one with them. We are grateful for the truth that sets us free. In gratitude, we let it be. And so it is. Amen. 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 Mm-hmm. Yes, indeed. So it's great to see everybody. And uh, I uh, we had a question from Tim. And Tim, I'm not sure if you're there, but... Um, I am going to read uh, Tim's email. Tim, do you want to pose your question? Um, Or would you like me to read your email? Whatever you prefer. Yeah, I guess I can just um, put put the question out there. Um, Great. I'm I'm trying to remember what it was exactly. Uh, I guess it had to do with Ho'oponopono. Yep. And, um, you know, when we had covered that the first time in class, then I, uh, I was, I was interested in that and it sounded like a very beautiful and helpful prayer. Um, and I did a little bit with that, but, um, I guess I'm trying to kind of boil it down to, sort of the essence of the question. I I think what happened is that, you know, the re, the sort of repetitive part of saying, you know, I'm sorry, et cetera, uh, over and over again didn't feel quite right to me in some way. Whoops, I don't know what happened to my video. There it is. And um, so I, I had remembered hearing something, one of the uh, – other Course of Miracles people talking about this, and I, and I remember it was David Hoffmeister. I I found a video that he had uh, done, and in that video he was talking specifically about saying I'm sorry. He was not talking about Ho'oponopono. I should make that very clear, but he was 
saying something about the use of saying I'm sorry. And he went through, he said he had gone through the uh, all four Gospels of the Bible. And then he went through all of uh, uh, A Course in Miracles and said he found no place where Jesus ever said, I'm sorry. And and I'm, I may be interpreting what he, he was saying, but as I understood it, then I think David was saying or concluding that uh, saying I'm sorry would have been implying that there had been some kind of wrongdoing to begin with and that, uh, at least in the case of Jesus, that he was looking past that to seeing that there had been no error to begin with. And again, he he was not talking about a ho'oponopono and he never said um, he he never said anything about you know uh, this is not something to be to say. He, <laughs> uh, but I I just was trying to in my own mind kind of reconcile uh, that perspective with the use of ho'oponopono since it felt it just felt a little bit off to me. And I've had other conversations since then with some other folks that, you know, made me feel a little bit more comfortable with it. But I thank you, uh, Jennifer, for uh, coming back to that question because it's still a little bit fuzzy for me. Yeah, I think it's really helpful to uh, to bring these things up. And I, I really am, am grateful that you did because it gives us a point of discussion and to bring new understanding and more clarity. And that's really valuable. So, um, and I also will say, uh, you may have heard me say it before that I hope you've heard me say it before. You felt it implied if you don't recall it, that I, um, I'm not a guru, and I always encourage everyone to have their own understanding, their own learning, come to their own conclusions, and not to take anything I say as uh, a real directive. It's always, these are suggestions, this is for you to feel what's right for you. I I know that uh, each person has the same amount of divinity that I do. And what's so important in our Masterful Living community is that we are tuning into it. So we're, we're discovering how to really feel connected to our holiness. And so some things won't feel right because the ego's in resistance or sometimes things won't feel right because the spirit knows it's not appropriate at this time. So we're learning to distinguish that. And I think that's really valuable. And um, so there are a number of things for me to share on this topic. First of all, I would not make the statement, I am sorry. I wouldn't make it an I am statement. And to say I'm using a contraction feels different to me. Energetically, it has a difference to me. Um, so that's one thing I, I feel is important because, as you know, I have a whole group of I am statements in our journals, in our Masterful Living journals, and not one of them is I am sorry. 
because uh, I, I just wouldn't say that. And um, one of the, I think, really helpful teachings in A Course of Miracles is that words are symbols of symbols. So everything in this world is symbolic, and words are what we use to describe what we experience in this world. So words are symbols of the symbols in the illusion. So uh, what's, I think, absolutely critical for all of us to understand, and this is an important part of our, uh, our relationship healing classes, is what is our intention in speaking any words? Because we could say to someone, I love and adore you, but our intention is to trick them. Right. So uh, and perhaps somebody's had some experiences like that where people are manipulating them by telling them that they love them and they're caring for them when they have no uh, no intention around that at all. Their intention is to manipulate, to coerce, uh, to control. So. That that's one of the most important aspects of our understanding the throat chakra and the use of our words is what is our intention because God, the universe, life responds to our intention. Responds to our intention. So the intention of using the Ho'oponopono prayer, we can call it a prayer of uh, I love you, I'm sorry, please forgive me, thank you. And I like to put the I love you at the beginning. Other people put it at the end. I figure if I start with it and I end with it, I've got two I love yous and that there's no, there's no downside to that. And um, so the intention that people are doing the Ho'oponopono prayer with is to have a healing, to have transformation, to release the judgments and the causes of suffering and pain. So that intention is powerful, it's transformative, and that's what the universe is responding to. And our higher Holy Spirit self, which is doing the undoing, right? In The Course of Miracles, it says, the Holy Spirit will undo all the consequences of my wrong decision if I let him. And I'm going to let him because I'm ready to be free. So uh, the Holy Spirit, the higher self, knows what our intention is when we do Ho'oponopono. So for instance, if we were doing Ho'oponopono and we were doing it just to be able to say we had done it, we wouldn't feel the effects of it. In fact, I once had someone do everything in the Finding Freedom workbook, uh, everything, everything, uh, and their intention was to prove to themselves and to me that they were beyond hope. No matter what they did, they could not recover from the painful place they were in. But I, I felt that so strongly when I was going through their workbook with them um, that they had, they had actually a desire to fail, a very strong desire to fail. And so, in, um, so I said to them, 
do you think that you had that intention? And they, they owned it. And they said, yes, I did. I said, well, you've tried to prove to me that you're beyond hope, but I, I don't feel that at all. I just feel your resistance and you can resist as long as you like, but I don't think you'll resist forever. So you can decide now when you'd like to be done resisting or you can just see how it goes for you. But if you would like me to agree that you are beyond hope, that that's not going to happen because I can feel that there's a great healing and transformation and great joy uh, awaiting you. So uh, intention is so powerful. We've got a, uh, all of a sudden a heavy wind and rain coming here. Thank God, because it's so hot and humid, we need to have a break in it. Good Lord. Um, I need to tell somebody in the house to close the windows. So I'm going to let you talk amongst yourselves for a minute here. Well, I, uh, since I had brought up the question, if it's okay, I just, I would just add to that, that um, I remember now when I had the question that I had said that it felt a little bit to me like I was, you know, making a plea uh, to God and that that felt a little bit strange to me because I normally, I normally do not make like a prayer, uh, what I call a prayer petition. And so it felt a little bit strange to me because it felt like I was making a plea. So um, I think that was part of my own maybe personal thing but oh I see you're back Jennifer but yeah, that, that's I, very helpful to have that kind of clarification about the intention because because just saying I'm sorry or uh, or some version of that I, I makes makes it feel different to me yeah and all forgiveness is self-forgiveness so who are we asking for forgiveness? We truly are only asking for ourselves to stop beating ourselves up, right? And and we're saying I'm sorry really to ourselves. We're letting ourselves off the hook because the only problem that we have really is that we are judging ourselves. So this, this, is, this is what it is. It's a purification. So if you think about, and I'll, I'll call you in a minute, Stephanie. If you think about uh, Hugh Len sitting with the file folders of his patients, he's taking responsibility for everything that's showing up in his life. He's taking responsibility for these patients who are showing up with mental and emotional disorders and he's taking responsibility for any thought he could have ever had in any lifetime for that created this effect 
or made this effect in his his world and his experience. Instead of we think of, oh, that's out there. It's not part of me. I have no, I mean, how could, how could I have contributed to the Holocaust? How could I have contributed to ISIS? How could I have contributed to these things that seem so far away or beyond my experience? Um, well, we're part of the human race consciousness. We're part of God's consciousness, which has manifested these illusory experiences. It's like... Um, the earthquakes and the floods and the, the hurricanes and all of that, it's all part of the mind manifesting. So if you notice in the last couple of years, there have been more, way more fires, way more flooding, more hurricanes, more storms, more earthquakes. The volcanoes are erupting. It's all a reflection of the inner turmoil that people are having is they're clinging to the ego and don't want to give it up. You know, many more people are, are giving it up, and that's why we're seeing things like bigger peace demonstrations than we've ever seen in the history of the world. We see more people caring and concerned about other people than we've ever seen in the history of the world. So we're seeing both things happening at the same time. So anyway... Hugh Len was able to bring forth extraordinary, demonstrable, miraculous healing through forgiving himself for the, the thoughts that he had had, known or unknown, in this lifetime or any other. And that cleansing, that purification, it's like um, if you had a, a pond of water and um, it was polluted, but you started to, at your corner of the beach, you started to purify the water there. You keep going, that whole lake is going to get purified. And as more and more of your neighbors say, oh, let me be part of that. I'd like to be part of that. Yeah, I'm going to stop judging those people too. I'm going to stop judging myself too. I'm going to start showing up with more love and more compassion. And then more and more people are contributing to the purification until it's complete. And in a sense, that's what happened in that um, psych ward. So Stephanie, and then uh, I have some more things to share about what you were saying there, Tim and David Hoffmeister. Um, Tim, first I'd like to say that I too um, felt the same thing about the I'm sorry at some point when I was saying it. I started to wonder if I was um, intending some guilt on my part. And um, I asked uh, Spirit for some direction and was pretty quickly told that what I was saying sorry for was my belief that anything about this situation was even a problem, was my belief in this being a problem. Um, but I also want to say that I did write to Dr. Hugh Lin, and um, I'm going to uh, read just a small part of what was written back to me to let you know that um, you don't have to say the whole prayer each and every time. And so he said, these phrases are not a chant and can be used individually as inspired. For example, you might say, I'm sorry, Please forgive me for anything in me that may contribute to the plight of animals I see. 
or say thank you to tune in to the light in each moment. A simple example, when the phone rings or before I speak, I say in my mind, thank you. This simply act, this simple act tunes me into the divine in me. And so I feel like what he's saying too is if you have, um, if you're not ready for a part of it, because I've watched some videos of his too, where people have said that they didn't like the I'm sorry part. And he's like, that, that, that's your part to, to heal, but you're not required to say all the parts every time. Yeah, that's beautiful. That's very helpful, Stephanie. Okay. Yeah, it's like I said, it's about intention. It's really about intention. Spirit responds to our intention because that's the energetic. That's the vibration. And, uh, you know, someone uh, could let you know they loved you and never say a word, right? Isn't that how we really know somebody loves us? Saying I love you, that, that does not tell us that somebody loves us at all, right? It does not at all. Um, we, 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 uh, we've seen so many examples of people saying they love, but they, they don't love. And, and, uh, and many people who never mention that they are uh, expressing love, but it's so completely apparent. So this, this is a really helpful conversation. Now, another thing is, it's uh, John Mundy and I have talked about this because he's really such a um, I guess an expert we could say on the course and what it says and what it doesn't say um, and David Hoffmeister is too and um, the words that are not in the course some of them are remarkable um, for instance um, the word mother is not in the course uh, the word feminine or masculine, these words aren't in the course. Um, Jesus doesn't say anything in the course or in the Gospels about the divine feminine. At least if he did say it, it was taken out. Uh, he, um, in A Course in Miracles, he talks about the Holy Spirit as a he and God is a father and a he. But I, I can't I I'm can't imagine that Jesus thought that uh, there was no holy mother, no divine feminine, and or that the Holy Spirit was even masculine. He but uh, I did read somewhere, and I am not a um, historian of the course by any stretch of the imagination. I've not read books about Alan Shookman or any of those things. I just never felt called to do that. Um, but um, I seem to recall that the language that he used was to appeal to Christians who were uh, used to calling God the Father and saying he about uh, God and the Holy Spirit. And so when I first encountered that with the Course, it took me back a moment. I had to sit with it and then say, yeah, I don't think I'm going to let this bother me. So, um, there are many important, valuable words, I think, that we use 
all the time to describe spirit or discuss spirit that are not used in A Course in Miracles. And I'm not thinking of some of the other ones now, but, um, and they, they, they were either edited out or not included in the teachings of uh, the Gospels. I remember when I was in ministerial school, I had a Bible scholar for one of my teachers, and he knew Aramaic and Hebrew and Greek and Latin. Uh, and I, I can't remember if he knew German, but he knew all these languages. And he said that Jesus would not have called God the Father. He would have called God the Beloved based on his knowledge of the use of Aramaic at that time and how it was being translated into Hebrew at that time, he, he, that he, Jesus would have used the word beloved for God. And um, I, I love that word as a, a way to call God the beloved. Uh, and um, I once did a writing that's one of my favorites of my own work, uh, and it just is, I feel like it was a, it was a divine channeling almost from my higher self, where, I, and one of the parts of it was, I am the beloved of the beloved. And that's, I, I, I really, that we are the beloved of the beloved. And that's how it feels to me. And I think it's really, I, I think what Stephanie shared is really helpful. And uh, Stephanie, I'd actually like to ask you if you could repeat some of that uh, again. What Dr. Hugh Len sent me? Yes. Yeah, and this is just one part. They actually, he and his assistant sent me a rather long um, email that I can also send out. Um, but it said, uh, and I thought this was um, relevant to what Tim was saying, these phrases are not a chant and can be used individually as inspired. For example, you may say, I'm sorry, please forgive me for anything in me that may contribute to the plight of animals I see. Or thank you to tune you to the light in each moment. Simple example. When the phone rings or before I speak, I say in my mind, thank you. This simple act tunes me to the divine in me. Beautiful. You know, one of the things I've been saying for a long time is that our most basic spiritual practice is love and gratitude. And uh, people ask me, oh, the most common question I get is, uh, the two most common questions I get are, how can I remember to interrupt the pattern of negativity? How do I remember to interrupt the pattern of negativity? And then what can I do to interrupt the pattern of negativity? So the answer to the first question is, um, be willing to notice when you feel bothered. That's how you remember is you say, oh, I'm bothered. It's time for me to make a new choice. I'm feeling the divine alarm clock going off. I'm not feeling peaceful. 
it's time for me to make a new choice. It's, we train ourselves not to be inured to our own upsets. You know, many of us are so used to being constantly irritated, frustrated, annoyed, disappointed, that et cetera, et cetera, that we're inured to it. We don't even notice and we can, you know, go for days or months or years before we realize, oh, wait a minute, I can change this channel. I have the power to partner up. And then the fastest way I know to partner up is through gratitude. It's just to find anything you're grateful for. You know, I'm, I'm grateful for ice cream. I'm grateful that I have the power to eat ice cream if I choose to, you know. I'm grateful that I can take this breath right now. You know, I, I don't know about all of you, but I've had, uh, I've had, uh, I remember one time I, um, I uh, was really sick and throwing up a lot and I was at a, a business conference and I left the room to go into the ladies room to throw up, right? So I threw up and, um, and then I couldn't breathe. Something was caught in my throat. And I didn't panic or anything. I, I just relaxed and I said, I don't think I'm going to be dying in this restroom at this conference right now. So I'm, I'm just really grateful, <laughs> really grateful that I can call upon the angels to help me because I cannot breathe right now. And I just relaxed. And then I can't remember, but I was able to, get up whatever was blocking my throat or, and um, so stuff, stuff happens where it can be very intense, but we don't have to panic. We don't have to be angry. We don't have to be sad. We don't have to make the interpretations that we make. So in that moment, I didn't feel frightened because I didn't interpret it as while I could die. I don't think that's going to be happening now. Tim. Yes, while you were talking about that, I was thinking that you had told me, I'd ask you in the, in the phone call a while back, uh, how to be more sensitive to any kind of disturbance or irritation or, or whatever it might be and, and how I could identify that and hear the divine alarm essentially at a, in a very, uh, at a very early stage and then make a better decision. And, and you said to, um, you know, basically call upon the whole company of heaven. And I just want to say that has really worked for me. I mean, um, I don't think I've had any kind of upset or, notable irritation since we had that conversation. So thank you. Yes. So please share why you think that is, why you feel it works. I don't know if I ask myself why. I, I mean, I call upon if I, Every morning, 
I mean, I do prayer before I ever get out of bed. And that includes my masterful living contract. And as part of that, I call upon Jesus and Holy Spirit and the angels and the ascended masters. And I love your phrase, the whole company of heaven <laughs> to help me to identify as early as possible any inner disturbance or upset to hear the divine alarm so that I can make a better decision and a the most loving choice in the moment. And I don't I don't know that I can answer the question about why that works, except maybe it's just a um releasing that decision over to Holy Spirit. That's exactly why it works. It's because you are intentional. You are willing. You have a goal. And you're calling upon the invisible field of perfect love to show you the way and support you. So let me just say, since, and how long has it been now? Has it been a month? Six weeks? Oh, probably six weeks or so, yeah. So now what's next? Like keep that going and add something significant to it. So this is, this is one of the key things that I find is that most of us like being inured to our own unhappiness and we don't even notice when we start to go down the slippery slope, we get on the pain train. And as I say, you know, the pain train, uh, it, it only goes to one destination, Margaritaville, you know, where you end up with a hangover for having ridden the pain train. Many of us, we, we don't recognize that we got on the pain train till we've already had a couple of margaritas and we're, we've lost our center. And then we're like, well, I guess I have to ride this thing to the end. And that was me. All the time I would I would lose my center and then I'd think I have to go all the way to the end. There's no possibility of just getting off the pain train. No, I've got to ride it to the end. And the end is where I feel like a total loser and that I'm a, a fake and that I don't know what I'm doing and on and on and on. And so I learned, no, I can get off the pain train with uh, drinking a big glass of water, saying a prayer, uh, with being intentional earlier in the day, constantly going back to gratitude. I can stay off the pain train by doing these things too. And I've learned that it, it absolutely works. And that this, this is why uh, really using your contract in exactly the way that Tim's talking about, is profoundly life-changing. He's saying in the last six weeks he hasn't really been upset. And were you upset once a week before then, or was it a constant daily occurrence, Tim? Well, yeah, I'd say it's pretty much daily to some extent. You know, there were different things that I would react to, but at least multiple times a week, sure. So this this is 
a major change in your life. It is, yeah. I mean, it, it seems to apply to everything from, you know, being with family members and situations that I might might have been very difficult before to just everyday kinds of interactions or situations, you know, just around town. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. So this is, this is really moving out of being a victim where life is happening to you and it's recognizing, no, life is happening by me, by me, that I am the decider. Well, I, I try not to take any credit for it because I, I, I say to myself every morning, I've heard, I've heard this on your radio program of nowhere else. You know, uh, let me make no decision for myself and let Holy, Holy Spirit decide for me. And I, I try to, I say that to myself every morning before I get out of bed. <laughs> yes, beautiful. It's handing over your day to the Holy Spirit. It changes everything. It really does. It really does. And this is why I say let's all prove that God works. Let's prove A Course in Miracles rather than study it. Let's prove it. Because what one of the foundational things that the Course tells us is that all of it, is written in our heart. It's already here. It's pre-installed. It's part of who we are. We already know it. It's about remembering it. So what could be more helpful to us than declaring at the start of our day, today I am truly interested in dedicating myself to remembering it. And the only reason we wouldn't do that is we're thinking that it's going to bring some negative effect that we don't want, right? And so that's why, I mean, I have had countless conversations with people who are afraid that if they say God's will is my will or let God's will be my will or thy will be mine, something like that, that now all of a sudden they won't have any ice cream they won't have any enjoyable romantic times anymore. Uh, they're going to have to stop whatever it is that they're finding enjoyable. But the truth of the matter is what's going to actually occur is that all of your life will become enjoyable. Instead of little pieces of it, your whole life will become enjoyable. And you don't have to give up anything you really don't. There's just no need to give up anything except the things that cause pain. And all the kinds of things that people use for pleasure can also cause pain if you're holding it in your mind that way. So we can enjoy eating delicious food or we can hurt ourselves by overeating or we can enjoy a glass of wine or we can hurt ourselves with a whole bottle of wine. We have all kinds of options. So it's not about giving up the things you enjoy. It's about uh, trading the things that cause pain 
for having a completely enjoyable life. But the ego is never going to trust that, ever. So that's why we have to take charge and put, tell the ego to step aside. The ego has no power. Remember, I've got my velociraptor here. The ego has no power. It's like this puppet that the puppet seems to have some power to be able to do something. But if I take it off now, it can't do anything. It's powerless. It can't fight me. It's nothing. It's nothing because it has no volition. It has no consciousness. And that's the truth about the ego. The ego is a thought system. It's not a being, and it has no power. The Holy Spirit, which is the higher self, which is the guardian angel, has all the power. Because there's only one power. There's not two powers. Duality is an illusion. One power, not two. There is no devil. There is no devil. There's just devilish thoughts. So, any, uh, I, I see that Nadia wrote here, book says in order to use the Ho'oponopono, you have to take some specific workshop in order to do it correctly. Do you believe that is true? I do not believe that is true uh, for, most for most of the people that uh, I'm working with, but... Um, most of the people I'm working with are willing to understand that there is only one mind and there is no separation. But if you really believe in separation, it would be challenging for you to really understand Ho'oponopono and to really know that it works. But the great thing is, it's just like Jesus says in A Course in Miracles, that you don't even have to believe this. You don't. Just do the workbook. You don't have to believe it. Just do it. Just do it. Just practice it. That's it. The, the, the knowing will return if you do it. You don't have to believe it ahead of time. So uh, the same is true for Ho'oponopono. But remember, it's like we can do things the slow way or we can do them the fast way. So, um, and we've, we've all, we've tried it both ways. So miraculous healing takes place when we are really willing to change our mind, when we're 51% or more willing. Sometimes we only have a little bit of willingness. This is why I made the willingness cards, to help us remember to increase our willingness and to affirm our willingness. But sometimes, I mean, there are many, many a time, many a time when I was first really working with this that I would say, I am willing to be willing to be willing. Many, many, many times. I am willing to be willing to be willing. And that's as much willingness as I had in that moment. And then I'd be willing to be willing and then finally actually willing, really willing. So we are where we are. Arba?
Hi, Jennifer. Hello. Uh, thank you for this great conversation. Um, I had a question about relationships and the idea of releasing your day to the Holy Spirit. And in my more recent experiences, as I have found myself to be willing to go as Spirit is directing me, I have definitely felt a sense of freedom and more joy and more like sort of like being a kid that this is a grand adventure, you know, and, but I have received input from other people that I appear to be wishy-washy and to not make up my mind and to constantly change my mind and it's perceived as being inauthentic. And I just, at the time that this was brought to my attention, it felt very attacking the way in which it was brought to my attention. But I was able to just be enough detached to hear and try to reflect on what was the truth in there and sit with that. So I wondered if you might uh, be able to address um, the people that you are around or in relationship with, close relationship with, how they might see your actions if you are, you know, moving from your heart. I didn't defend myself. I started to defend myself, and later I realized, well, I don't need to defend myself. <laughs> but in the moment, I, I just didn't know what to say at all. I felt very much like a deer in the headlights um, with all of that. So, mm-hmm. um, What do you think their intention was? I think their intention was to... Help me understand their perspective. I did not feel that their intention was unloving or meant to be attacking. Um, and so there was enough of my willingness to, to see that, that I could see that. And yet I did admit I felt very attacked. I had a very emotional and physical response to the words and the way they were said to me. Um, and yet I understood it wasn't the person themselves. So, um, when I'm, I'm glad you're bringing this up, Arba. So when we feel attacked, It can bother us or not bother us. When we're attacked and it doesn't bother us, why would it not bother us? Because we know the truth of who we are and what we are. 
So then when it bothers us, what's going on? It's truly what we believe. Um, I really am seeing all around me reflections of my own thoughts and my own judgments of myself. And so it's been really fascinating to watch. Um, uh, and so I still felt that emotional, like, overwhelm, but I can say within spirit directed me what to do, and um, I also saw how quickly that could shift to just short-circuit it all, like, oh, yeah, okay, this is the movie, this is the character, I'm the character, okay, but I'm also the director, so let's cut. And that made so much sense to me, and it just made me laugh. Um, and so because I knew this person did not have the intention to harm me and did not to hurt me, I was able to um, respond to their continued efforts to reach out to me and to hear, I love you, and know that that was true in my heart. Mhm. Which was pretty miraculous, I felt. So, <laughs> but I, I, so as I feel like we're really learning the mastery, um, and learning to be comfortable in self-confidence, self-love and self-esteem. How, how do you, how is a good way to navigate that with people who are looking from the outside and don't see what you're doing or understand what you're doing? Well, one thing is to remember that we all share the same mind. So, and that everything works together for good and that everything is gently planned by one whose only purpose is our good. And everything is helpful. Everything is helpful. So for me, one of the things is to recognize that even this is helpful to me. Um, I know that most of us have a strong feeling that we would like to be, uh, feel understood. We'd like to feel understood. We'd like to feel that people are connected to us through understanding, right? But sometimes we do go through a period of adjustment where there is confusion and people don't understand us. I mean, I can honestly tell you that um, in, in many ways, I don't think the members of my family understand what my work is about, what I'm doing, why I'm doing it. And I don't, I rarely speak with my family members about what I believe spiritually or the work that I'm doing in terms of the specifics of 
what I'm sharing and why I'm sharing it. Just a lot of that is not, it's not up for discussion because, uh, it, there's no need for us to talk about it. I feel that my family loves me. They are, they understand me as well as they can and they accept me and love me as I am. And uh, sometimes I'm uh, confusing to them. Sometimes I'm a little confrontational to them. Um, and I always do my best to be very respectful and to not, and I'm not their teacher and I don't try to be their teacher. So, and it, it can be challenging with close friends, but the truth is, is if we're not trying to explain ourselves and if we don't need to be understood, then there's not a lot of conflict. So they, they can be a great lesson for us to accept things just as they are, know that they're perfect, and not think that anything is missing. Thank you very much. I think that was very helpful. Good, I'm glad. Yeah, it's challenging. I would like to uh, move us into another topic of discussion here. And um, on the topic of relationships, so there are many uh, things that we can begin to look at that will really deeply transform our relationships. And as you already know, judging others and releasing the judgment is profoundly transformational. One of the most important things too is what's your, what is it you'd like from the relationship? What, what is the reason that you're in relationship? What's going on there? And one of the things that I've seen consistently that causes a tremendous amount of upset is when people are feeling that they're unappreciated, they're unrecognized, that uh, they're doing and doing and giving and giving and it's not appreciated, it's not recognized, it's not valued. Anybody have some of this going on? Yeah, so a lot of people raise their hands, but not everybody. So... Um, one of the things that causes a tremendous amount of uh, energy to be uh, invested in pain and suffering is when we're giving to get, when we're giving to get something. So in any place in your life where you feel unappreciated, it can only be because you're giving to get. It's just not possible for you to feel unappreciated 
unless you are giving to get something. It's just not possible. So the question is, why are you giving? What is it you would like to get? And can you actually give to yourself what you're trying to manipulate others to give to you? So this was a huge realization for me because I used to be intensely manipulative. And I was very clever about how to manipulate people to get them to do what I wanted or give me what I wanted. And I needed constant reassurance because I felt so insecure. And so constantly manipulating people to give me what I needed from them. What I would like us to do here, what I feel called for us to do here, is to go into a, a breakout, not a super long breakout, but just to discuss what it is, where we feel unappreciated, where we're feeling resentful, because often unappreciation and resentment go together. And where we might be trying to get people to give us recognition, to give us validation, to give us comfort, to give us anything at all. Could be, you know, we're trying to get them to give us sex or that we're trying to manipulate them to give us um, help with the chores or any number of things that we're trying to uh, manipulate them by giving to get. It's, it's a, a cornerstone of all codependency is giving to get. So if we're not giving freely, it's going to create resentment and a feeling of not being appreciated. And uh, sometimes we can take it all the way to martyrdom, right? So I'm doing so much for you and you don't appreciate it. I'm doing so much for you and you don't do anything for me. I hear constantly people are saying, I'm giving and giving and giving and they're not reciprocating. Well, where's, let's pull out the contract that says they're going to reciprocate. Did they agree to reciprocate? Is that what this relationship is? I'll do this for you if you do that for me. If it is, then you might want to have a contract so you can hold people to it. So uh, looking at where there's resentment and where there's a feeling of being unappreciated, can you look at, are you giving to get? What are you giving? What are you thinking you're supposed to be getting? Any relationship that you feel is one-sided or not reciprocal, what, what are you trying to get from them? And then ultimately... Can you give it to yourself? Can you receive it from spirit? So you don't have to manipulate other people. Are you willing to open to receive what you think you need from spirit? Because anything real, spirit will provide for you. Stroking your ego? No. Spirit's not going to do that. That's not real. All right. Anybody have any ahas about where you were giving to get and you didn't even realize it?
Anybody? Not a one. Ah, fantastic. No one feels unappreciated. No one's got a resentment. That's so good. I feel so successful. I think I um, feel un I can feel unappreciated and have and have resentments, but I'm I'm aware of the fact that I am doing the giving to get bit. Like, and it and it comes in the form of um, my female friendships. So uh -huh. I guess I guess it wasn't um, a huge aha, but um, is like um, just realizing that I need to love myself more instead of you know wanting wanting more friends or wanting my friends to, the, the friends I do have to like actually you know, to, to like reach out to me in more often or in a way that I feel it would like satisfy my need to feel loved by them. Right. Yeah. So. So I get really resentful and I will then end up oftentimes finding reasons I don't, things I don't like about them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's so good you're laughing. <laughs> it's embarrassing to declare that everybody. You know, it's so good, though. To me, what I've seen over the years, Nadia, is that when we can publicly say, I've been behaving in a crazy way, I've been thinking crazy thoughts, saying crazy things, and doing... It's, it is, we can then begin to laugh at it. We, it, we come, it's like coming out from under the rock and it, we feel less like a spider and more like, you know, we're bringing the light in. And sometimes, uh, what I've learned is sometimes my unkind thoughts or these unhealed patterns have been revealed where it was a slip of the tongue or uh, I don't know. I can't think of a good example right now, but something occurs that brings it out. And then I can say there, look at that crazy thing I've been doing or thinking. And, uh, and, and it's all part of the healing. Yeah, I guess I do it to protect myself because like I have to find something that I don't like about them now because, um, it helps me feel empowered or like gives me a reason to then maybe push them away um, because I feel so vulnerable because I need their love so badly. Yeah. Appro approval or whatever it might be. Right. Right. Yeah. So that's why if we can learn to give these things to ourselves, it's very helpful. Yeah. I got a long way to go there, I think. Or maybe not. Yeah, let's not, let's not, because here's the thing is, we're working at the level of the miraculous. Yeah. There's no long way. It's just a change in our thought. It, there's no distance. It seems like 
uh, healing takes time, but the only time it takes to have a healing is the time that it takes to have a realization. So there's no distance to travel. There's no time to travel. That's not what we're doing. We're just changing our thinking and we're remembering to laugh and we're releasing our attachments to the meaning we've made of things. And we can do that in an instant. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and, and it happens all the time and it's happened to you. Yeah. 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 So you have been doing a lot to love yourself and free yourself from limiting patterns. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So you can just seriously say to your higher Holy Spirit self, show me more ways to let love in so I'm not trying to get it from other people. That it just will be, my life is in Niagara Falls of love. Okay, I'm going to do that. Yeah, and it's so important that you're doing this now because you have a baby coming. Yeah. Yeah, and so you don't ever wish to manipulate your child. No, I know I don't. Yeah, so you have a lot of incentive. It's perfect timing. This is coming up. Thank you so much for reminding me. This is great. I look forward to working on this. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, and one thing that sometimes can be helpful is to say to a friend, uh, I, I have found this very helpful to me in my relationships to say, um, hey, you know, I realized that I actually was trying to manipulate you by saying this or doing this, and I just like to own it and say, um, I, I'm not interested in that kind of behavior anymore. And I don't feel you're holding it against me, and I appreciate that. And I'd just like to have a pure, honest, loving connection with you. And sometimes I realize that's hard for me. And I'm appreciative that you're the kind of friend that I I don't have to be 100% perfect all the time, that you accept me the way I am. My behavior, my behavior is more um, actually along the lines of it's not so much that I will start to um, do or say manipulative things to try to get something. It's more um, I will just sort of drop them because I start to create stories because I feel hurt because, you know, they're not X, Y, Zing enough for me or something, you know. Well, maybe there's a friendship you'd like to reclaim. Mm-hmm. And you could go back and say, you know, if you were confused that I was rejecting you, it really was my own insecurity because mm-hmm. I liked you so much. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, you know, open yourself to that possibility because here's one thing I know 100% that this journey of awakening is one of acquiring humility. The ego has no humility. The ego is 100% hubris. 
right? It's completely uh, the opposite of humility. And what true humility is, is recognizing that no one is better than and no one is less than, and we're not even equal to each other. We are one with each other. And that's, there's a real difference between being equal to each other and one with each other. And all of our challenges stem from thinking someone is better and someone is worse. When that can't even be possible because we're one with each other. So every better than and every less than is an absolute illusion. It's a delusion. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody have any, anybody else like to share? Stephanie? I I seem to be having this um, resentment towards um, clients, I would say. I um, set up my booth space and sell my artwork three times a week at shows and I really had changed. I felt like I had changed my mindset from making sales to making connections with people. And over the last couple of years, as I've done the course that has happened and um, the money has flowed in. And um, now I am in a slow point, uh, not just myself, because it's just the time that happens. Uh, tourists don't come to the island as much in June, um, but I'm finding myself being more resentful about the failure of not making sales. And I start my day saying that I'm going there to make connections with people. Um, But then I guess it is manipulative on my part that when they say, Oh, that's nice. That's pretty. And then they still walk away. um, That my clear objective was to make a sale rather than um, I had, I had an attachment to the sale. And I'm not really quite sure how to let go of this layer of the attachment to the sale to be of true love to people when I meet them. Yeah, that's a, that's a beautiful opportunity that you've created for yourself. And it's a really such a valuable question. Uh, And I had a wonderful uh, several years of learning, um, in a different but similar experience. And I, I, I approached it by really affirming there is no lack and I'm here to be of service. And, and, but you can also say, Holy Spirit, please guide to me or angels, please guide to me anyone who can have benefit from enjoying my beautiful scarves. And paintings. <laughs> and paintings. <laughs> so having one of your beautiful scarves, I was thinking of that first. Thank so, you. Um, can you say that again, Holy Spirit? Yeah, please, uh, Holy Spirit and angels, please guide to me anyone that I can be helpful to with my beautiful scarves or any other thing. Thank you. And you may experience the resistance in your mind as being um, no one showing up for a while. 
you know, sometimes we have such a deep belief that we're not supported or that we don't really mean it, we're not really loving, uh, that we are at our core, like me, I had such a strong belief, at my core, I'm fundamentally bad, I'm fundamentally manipulative, and I am giving to get. And uh, and I really looked at giving to get in, even when I had the clients and customers and things like that, doing other kinds of work, Am I just giving to get here? Would I do this anyway? And I actually moved into a place of saying, I would like to give away the work that I'm only doing for money. I don't want to work for money anymore. I'd like to work only for the opportunity to share love. And that was really deeply transformative to me, uh, to, to say I'm only going to work for love now. I'm not working for money anymore. And the, the two can don't have to be connected that I can work and share and money can come to me and they don't have to be uh, connected. And um, it really opened things up for me. So uh, Because we often do encounter our beliefs that we are not worthy and therefore the universe will not support us. So we have to manipulate or we will go hungry. We will not, we will be left out. Um, sometimes we, we will experience a sense of lack, uh, for a while as that's belief in lack out picturing. But the thing for us to do is no matter what our experience is, no, if it's not enjoyable to us, it's so essential that we are calling forth the experience that we like. Right? So think of the exercise that we did last week. Right? Write down the I wants, I needs turn them into I'd like, and then the deep, see if it, is it a deep desire or is it just something that you'd like? Maybe it's not a deep desire. And affirm, I'd like to have this, this or something better. And it, it, and, and I'd like to feel completely and totally receptive to all the support and the flow of abundance of the universe. I'd like to feel worthy and receptive to a Niagara Falls of abundance and prosperity. Because we're not interested in being like so many lottery winners who win all that money and then they it, it flows through so fast that they go right back to where they were. They, they didn't have the consciousness to hold the money. So we don't wish to be like that. We just like to be in the flow of giving and receiving in the natural flow of abundance and prosperity, all needs met in God. And how it comes, we can relinquish all attachment to that.
and I've really, I've really worked with this a lot because I, I just couldn't be a, a counselor trying to manipulate my clients into booking more sessions with me. That was just, I couldn't, I couldn't do that. And so I had to really trust, really trust. And tr working that muscle of trust is good. But one of the key components is, are you willing to receive? Are you really willing to receive? Do you feel worthy of receiving? And so that can be something to contemplate and meditate on. But it's also just Holy Spirit. If there's any part of my belief system that feels unworthy, I offer it to you now. I humbly offer it to you. Please take it out of my mind so that I know always that all are worthy. Let me demonstrate that all are worthy. So one of the ways that we affirm and demonstrate our worthiness is recognizing everyone is worthy of compassion. Everyone is worthy of kindness. Everyone is worthy of our respect. Everyone. Everyone, everyone. Thank you, Jennifer. Yeah. It, it, it is definitely... Um, the receiving thing is a block for me that I, I need to work through. And um, I saw that several times this week. So thanks for bringing it up again. That's great. Yeah. And um, there are so many things that we can do to open up our receptivity. You, you know, I've, you may have heard me say this. One thing you can do is you can just dress up a bit more. And people will compliment you and then be really good at receiving those compliments. Notice whenever anybody does say thank you even, like even in a store, somebody mindlessly could say to you, thank you, have a nice day, right? But you can stop and receive it. You really can. You can stop and receive it. So it's being grateful and being receptive too. Uh, you know, I really like to make a point of like when I'm in a restaurant, let's say, and the food is brought, I like to look the person in the eye, even if it's a bus person, that their only job is to bring out the food. I like to look them in the eye and say, thank you so much. Just little ways that we can gratitude, lifting our vibration higher and higher and increasing our receptivity that way. And we can really become very, very aware of uh, are we willing to ask for help? Because if we're not receptive, we're not going to ask for help. Or we're going to ask for help from somebody who doesn't want to give it to us. It just is an affirmation of our lack of receptivity and worthiness. So worthiness and receptivity go together. And for me as a minister, I realized that everything I receive, I receive from God because God is all there is. So if I'm not receptive from God, what kind of minister am I? I'm a fake. Can't be a fake. I don't want to be a fake. Not interested in fake ministry. So I realized I have to be receptive 
all the time and stop thinking, you know, somebody does something nice for me. Well, let me do something nice for you. No, I can just receive what they're doing for me. I don't owe them. Just like I, so I do something nice for someone, they don't owe me. It's a different way of being in the flow of prosperity. I, I, I was hooking into the giving is receiving in the giving part. And then, you know, it was my birthday this week and people gave me things and I, I had a guilt around it. And I see now that I, 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 I don't receive without feeling like I need to give again. So thank you. Yeah, who else has that? receiving yeah absolutely it's so common it's so common and you know what once I gave up thinking that I have to give as much as I get you know like oh I owe them because they gave me something um, then I just, I, I really changed things for me. A lot of resentment disappeared. And I also found that I, um, I started to receive more, of course. And I started to really feel more love flowing my way. I started to feel that people were giving me things from their heart and the people who might have been giving to get something, they faded from my life experience. The people who just wanted to be in the flow of love came into my experience. So I don't have a lot of dealings with people who are uh, trying to manipulate me to give to them and stuff. It's, I used to have a lot of it, but not so much anymore. So I really just see over and over again, my life is demonstrating that these principles are true. And once we prove it, then we know it and we can Im improve the quality of our life because we're not operating from the false beliefs anymore. So this seems like a challenge, but it's actually a gift to more pro to the gateway to more prosperity. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I'm ready for more posterity. Yeah. I see I'm flashing on a memory of the the balcony scene in Romeo and Juliet. And I forget which one of them said it, but one of them said something like. The more I give, the more I have. You know, the more I, I love you, the more I have love. And that really is how it works, to have, give all to all. All right. We are past our time here. Important, valuable discussions. So grateful for that. Mm, yes, I'm willing to be a grateful receiver. So grateful and so thankful right here and right now to receive the fullness of God's love. We open ourselves to be washed clean of any idea that we have to earn anything, that we are unworthy. We're grateful to give these false beliefs to the Holy Spirit for healing now and forever. 
We are grateful and thankful to be grateful and thankful. We are grateful to open ourselves up to be great receivers. For indeed, we are perfectly designed to be great receivers as well as givers. We are choosing to be in the flow of love and prosperity. We are choosing to liberate from resentments and regrets. We're choosing to liberate from the habits of playing small and giving to get. We're truly grateful and thankful to lay all negativity on the altar. We're setting ourselves free. And we're forgiving ourselves for our debts, our debting, our trespasses, our trespassers. We are forgiving it all. We are grateful and thankful to share the benefits with all. In gratitude, we let it be. And so it is. Amen. 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 Have a great rest of your week, everybody. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye. Thanks, Jennifer. Jennifer. My pleasure.